It's just like God, isn't it, to make a trial a blessing. Amen. He's the lily of the valley. Not only the rose of Sharon, but he's the lily of the valley, and sometimes he's so precious in the trials. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to continue uh, the book of Mark, of course. And um, this is a very important subject that I'll be preaching on tonight because it bothers all of us. And this is the high cost of finishing first. The high cost of finishing first is the message. They often want to know a title they can put on the internet. So there it is. Amen. The high cost of finishing first. You know, there's a thing going on called March Madness. <clears throat> Probably none of you know about that. And uh, I appreciate my patient wife because I watch all of it. And, uh, but during Christmas, I watch all those Hallmark movies uh, so we can get even. Amen. Uh, you know, I just think I act like I like them. And, uh, you know, they all end the same way. Uh, somebody doesn't go back home and they fall in love. And, and it's just such a nice, clean movie. But uh, the March Madness is not. They fight and kill each other. Uh, they uh, do everything they can to win. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes winning uh, is the worst curse in your life. Right. Matter of fact, you better, you better beware of this. If you, uh, if you finish first in the flesh, it's probably the worst thing that could happen to you. Now, if you fall in the flesh, it's probably the best thing that could happen to you. Now, I'm not preaching against sports because you know, y'all know me. But... Um, I'll tell you this, a lot of times the world pushes and pushes and pushes, but you've got to be on top, and you've got to climb the ladder and do whatever you can, step on people's heads, whatever it is, and folks, it gets into church, and I've seen churches totally devastated by the flesh and by the uh, selfishness and vainglory and pride of even the leadership, and I thank God that the Lord's kept us humble. We're so humble, we're proud of it. No, we're, you know, and uh, I, I want you to understand that uh, there is a high cost of finishing first. And it creeps in the church, and we want to we war against that attitude of, of ingratitude and self-sufficiency. That's a sin that nobody confesses in the prayer room. I'm self-sufficient. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's a sin that's original. Adam and Eve sinned this sin. Uh, Satan sinned this sin of pride. And on and on, and now it's creeping into the disciples. And I just, it's just hard to believe it wasn't the Word of God, I wouldn't. But I believe that right after what he preached on and taught them about what was ahead, they began to ask these questions. And it's amazing to me how the flesh can rear its ugly head at the very wrong time. Let's look at verse 35 through 45, the high cost of finishing first. Let's stand on the Word of God, if you would. You can't uh, stand, stand in your heart. Good t attendance tonight, amen. It was good this morning. There's so many people out of town vacationing and uh, sick. And uh, they're not out of town, they're just sick at home. And this is a tremendous attendance. Let's look at verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, coming to him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldst do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Didn't say what you desire, what we desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And here it is. They said unto him, Grant us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on the left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup 
that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. They said to him, we can. We can. And, the, and Jesus said to them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of with the baptism which I have baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on the right hand and on the left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is, it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. Now there's a split in the disciples. There's only 12 of them and 10 of them is against two. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know not that which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. And so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. And here's the key verse of the whole book of Mark. For even the Son of Man came not to minister unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you uh, for this passage of Scripture. It shows us the reeking pride in all of it. God, thank you, dear God, that you uh, reveal it to us in many ways. Now, sometimes we're easily offended. Sometimes we feel like nobody likes us. Lord, sometimes we feel it's all about what we want, what we want to accomplish. And God, I pray that you'd teach us a lesson about this uh, area that's so hard to deal with sometimes, and that's pride. It's so subtle, it's so selfish, and it, Lord, it's so satanic. Lord, it's the chief of sins. It's the sin that got Adam and Eve in trouble in the garden. And it goes all through the Bible of men trying to build the Tower of Babels and men trying to uh, rule and reign without you and look for the preeminence instead of looking to crown you as Lord of their life. So Lord, help us to realize that to lose is gain and sometimes to lose is win. And God, may we lose ourselves in thy likeness. We'll praise you and thank you for what you teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the more I read the Bible and the more I study about the disciples, I realize over and over again they weren't the most humble men in the world. On the Mount of Transfiguration, as our teacher taught this morning in the glory class, which was a great event, right after that, they got down off the mountain and said, who's the greatest? I mean, they sound like Muhammad Ali, amen. I mean, is this... I'm the greatest. No, you're the greatest. And they began to argue about who was the greatest. Now, folks, they'd just seen the greatest, and they'd just seen the majesty of God. Uh, they'd seen the, uh, the Lord in His glory, a glimpse of it, and they're, they're arguing who's the greatest. I want you to see the high cost of finishing first. I want you to realize that there is a hidden sin in all our lives. It's called pride. It's the Herod in all of us. It's the uh, it's satanic uh, obsession with self. It's trying to get in the ministry and be somebody. And folks, there's a prideful movement going on today that is unreal about how many celebrities are in that movement. 
how many uh, people are getting the accolades and it doesn't seem like God's getting the glory at all. So I want you to see, first of all, in verses 35 through 40 of this chapter, the selfish petition. The selfish petition. First of all, I see the request in verse 35 through 37. Look at it. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, coming to him saying, Master, we would that y'all, y'all should do for us whatsoever ye shall, that we shall desire. Sounds like a lot of our praying. And he said to them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, without hesitation, Grant unto us that we may sit one on the right hand and one on the left hand in thy glory. And so I see they wanted the preeminence. They wanted glory and honor. The only one that deserves glory and honor is God Almighty. They wanted proximity. They wanted to be in the seat close to the Lord, not as a humble servant, but as second place and third place in this kingdom. And then they wanted power. Men want to have positions of great authority sometimes, and they want to have power, power to rule and power to overrule. Um, And, you know, what would you think would cause them to ask such a thing? Um, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 and 21 says that mama put them up to it, that their mother, Salome, uh, tells them, go ask if you can be the best. And, you know, sometimes... As parents, we push our kids to be the best at something that's not the most important. We tell them that we want to be the best ball player or even the best student. And I want to tell you something, friend. That's all right, and I don't think they ought to be the worst by any means. We're going to get out there, be a winner. You're going to go to school, pass. Amen. You don't have to be first in the class, but but pass. Uh, When I was in high school, the only C I made was in um, typing. I couldn't type. You know, today, I use that typing class more than any other class. The only reason I got in that class is I, there was, all the cheerleaders were in that class. So I thought I, I'd take typing, amen? And I was sitting typing. I'll never forget one time we had a time trial. And uh, it was the old-fashioned typewriters where you hit the little lever and it comes back. And I was just typing away 15, 15 words over seven mistakes. And uh, all of a sudden, it stopped. And I panicked. And I raised my hand and said, Teacher, there's something wrong with this machine. And then she went by my typewriter and she hit that little lever and it went back to the next thing. <laughs> Wasn't automatic rewind or whatever, amen? Now we have the computer. But I probably use that more than anything I use that I learned in high school. But I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the top athlete. I wanted to be uh, uh, the applause of men rather than, than God. And God had to break me from all that. God had to put me on... Uh, the sidelines for a long time and lose my scholarship in college and not walk for 11 months of my life and re-break my leg and take bone off my hip and patch because all I wanted to be was number one. And I want to tell you something, folks. That desire will kill you. That desire will kill your testimony and that desire will get, bring a lot of glory to you but it won't glorify God at all. Sometimes He must humble us to make us usable for His glory. Amen? And I'll tell you what, it's good for us. But what really blows my mind is that um, they didn't realize that it was a wrong request. Pride always leads to self-deception. 
Pride always leads to fall. Look at the Bible, please, in Proverbs 16, 18. We ought to memorize these two verses that I'm about to go to. Proverbs 16, 18, because it's every one of our problems. We might not realize it, but inside of us, we desire the preeminence sometimes. It might be so subtle that you're, you're, you're uh, thankful for your humility. But I guarantee inside of us, and the reason I know that a lot of us are are prideful is because we're so easily offended when somebody criticizes us or when somebody doesn't respond to us or we don't get the accolades or the write-up in the bulletin or the front page. Proverbs 16, 18 is a, a verse that uh, we ought to memorize and we ought to actualize in that we ought to realize that God gets the glory in our life and then when we decrease, He increases and that's God's will for our life. Proverbs 16, 18, the Bible says this, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, pride's very subtle. Pride's very hard to determine. Sometimes shyness is pride. We are afraid we'll mess up. And if we mess up, it'd be the end of the world. No, it won't be the end of the world. You'll admit that you're human. And that we all fall short of the glory of God. And if we mess up, I'd rather mess up trying than not do anything. Amen? And uh, folks, we need to realize that pride is subtle and it's a satanic attack. I want you to turn to a verse that we definitely need to memorize. And that is um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I wrote that down wrong. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And I want to back up to verse 5. The Bible says, Casting down imaginations and everything, high thing, I'll, I'll wait on you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness uh, to revenge all disobedience uh, when your obedience is fulfilled. And so, folks, we see that it says, Do you look on things after an outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he, as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Um, a great chapter on the children of Israel that thought they would never fall, that they were God's chosen people. And they uh, began to reel and rock in pride and, and follow uh, the Lord with the fornication and adultery and idolatry. And the Bible says in verse 12, Wherefore, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. And so I see, first of all, the request. And then I see the response. Um, what really I want you to notice about this response is that it's right after Jesus said, I'm going to be spit on. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to Calvary. I'm going to die for your sins. And then as soon as he finished that sentence, there's the request. Look at verse 38 and 39. Verse 38 and 39, Mark chapter 10. The Bible says, But Jesus said to them, You know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup, and I drink of, or be baptized with the baptism that I baptize with? And that was to die with the wrath of God upon his heart and his soul for you. And they said unto him, we can, we can. 
Look at this. And Jesus said to them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I baptize withal shall ye be baptized. Folks, I want you to know that was a forecast and a prophecy that one day they were going to be persecuted, and they were going to have it hard, and they were, God was going to allow some great things to happen there. Jesus, uh, on the way to Calvary, going to bear the sins of all the people on this cruel cross, and then they asked, hey, got a request. Make me the best. Make me second or third in command. Let me sit on the throne. Because they still didn't get it that before the glory was the cross. And before the glory was the agony and the rejection and the humiliation and the baptism of, of God's wrath upon Jesus Christ. And they request, make me the best. Folks, listen. The Almighty God put Jesus on the cross to die at the hands of a heavenly father that wanted to pour his wrath out. Isaiah chapter 53, I think it's the greatest chapter in the Old Testament to win somebody the Lord with. It says, Who hath believed our report, and who, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When he shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Humble. He is despised. This is the baptism he was talking about. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him, and he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own ways, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the, made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, listen, the Bible says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 about the uh, cruel cross and how they beguiled him, but he beguiled them not. And then it says, likewise, uh, you wives and also you husbands honor your wife as the weaker vessel. And right after he talks about the cross, he talks about submission. Submission by the wife to the husband and the husband to, to the wife and the mutual submission and the fear of God. And so folks, listen, the way up is down. The way to win is lose. The way to uh, have the honor uh, that God deserves is don't try to get the honor for yourself. Look at this. The Bible says not only that was a response, but there was a revelation in uh, verse 39. Look at it, Mark chapter 10, verse 39. He said, And they said to me, We can. And Jesus said to them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup. Folks, there was going to be some anguish in these, in these disciples. Every one of them was persecuted. Every one of them was killed except John. And he was on the Isle of Patmos and he was persecuted. That's where he got the revelation. But I want you to see, second of all, the sober proclamation. In verse 41, he says, And when the ten heard it, listen, they began to be much displeased with James and John. I want to tell you the thing that will divide your home quicker than anything. The thing that will divide your relationships quicker than anything. The thing that will divide this church and ruin this church 
quicker than anything is the subtle, selfish, satanic sin of pride. Pride wants the preeminence. Pride wants the authority. These disciples had just heard that Jesus was going to the cross and he says, okay, you want, you want, uh, you want the, the baptism? You want the cup that I'm going to take? I'll tell you what, you're going to get it. And then we see that it caused division. And folks, listen, 10 of the disciples turned on two of the disciples. They're on the way to Jerusalem. They're on the way to Calvary. And here's trouble in the church. Here's trouble in the, in the, among the, the chosen disciples because of pride and the sin of unforgiveness. Folks, I want to tell you what Ephesians 4.32 says, that we ought to forgive like God forgives us. And the only time you don't forgive is when you're prideful. When you, don't, when you cannot say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me, you're full of pride. The reason that husbands and wives break up is because of pride. Nobody admit they've done wrong. The reason there, there's an argument that never ceases is because of pride. I am not going to admit that I'm wrong. You can say, I'm sorry, but you're sorrier. And I want to tell you something, friend. There'll be a cold war the rest of your marriage. Folks, we need to learn to forgive like Christ forgave. And by their love, one for another, they know that you're disciples. Let me hurry. Some of y'all looking a little sleepy, so I want, to, I want to preach this quick and on the line and loud. But I ain't got a voice. Look at verse 42, the examination. And Jesus called to them and said to them, You know that that which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority among them. Jesus doesn't allow their anger to simmer. He addresses the issue. And he, and he says, listen, I know there's some high seat seeking in this group, but don't let it divide you. And he wanted the disciples to understand that God is the only one that deserves preeminence. And we see the expectation in verse 43. And so shall it not be among you. Whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Folks, these verses tell us there's a difference in Christianity and than the world. You know, we live in a world that wants to get ahead. We want a world that wants to climb the ladder no matter who they push down. We're in a world of, hey, it's me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity in this world. But folks, it shouldn't be among us. It shouldn't be among God's people. You know, some people... Um, come across very prideful, very arrogant, uh, very aloof. Some people are just shy, and that's fine. Be that way. Y'all can't be outgoing as me. I understand that. We all would step on each other, probably kill each other. But folks, Jesus simply restated early, as he did in Mark chapter 9. Look at back in verse 33 through 37. In Mark chapter 9, he said, he said this in verse 33. And then he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them um, what he disputed among yourselves, by the way. And they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. They were arguing about who should be the greatest. God's disciples. Look at chapter 9, verse 33, and it says, uh, verse 35. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all. And servants of all. Here's the key in the Christian life. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And listen, 
And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of the such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. He begins to say, this child is important, and this child I love. And in the Bible days, children and women were discriminated against, and they were discounted, men were counted, and even boys and girls weren't counted, and neither were ladies counted. And folks, we see they didn't get the message. And we see in verse 43, he uses a strong word. He says, and whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Folks, the word minister is the same word in Acts as deacon. It's servant. And folks, it speaks of a person who serves others. In other words, uh, servant in verse 44 means a slave, a bond slave. But we do it willingly. We do it as children of God because He first served us. We present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. And folks, God gives us honor in heaven for His namesake and not on this earth. Folks, there's a movement going on today that reeks with pride. We're a better church, and we have better singing. We have better speaking. I don't call it preaching. And folks, he used this child to teach them a lesson. A child in society was the bottom of the social rung. Uh, Jesus used this child to teach his disciples about service because children really can't do anything uh, for themselves, especially babies. And it's amazing to me uh, to see a mother in action. If you want to get a mom upset, just touch their child. Amen? I mean, just, just, just cross the line one time. It's, and the devil's tried to do this here, and he's done it to every pastor. He tries to go after the children, get the preacher in the flesh, so he resigns. But I want to tell you something, folks. We need to serve one another as Jesus served us. Amen. I think about the beautiful chapter and here's the spiritual pattern in verse 45. It says this, For even the Son of Man came not to minister unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Folks, the word even, even, reminds us of who Jesus is. He is the very Son of God. He's God Almighty. He's the, he's the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Folks, there's nobody above him, nobody but he humbled himself. And we see him in John chapter 13, washing feet. One time when we first started the church, this guy named Wiley, uh, he got saved, his wife got saved. And he said, I, I want to tell you something, I feel like we need to do this, preacher. And I said, what is that, Brother Wiley? You've only been saved two weeks, what you want to do? He says, I want to buy all the pans, and I want us to wash feet. I said, you do? I said, well... That's good. I didn't know how to answer him. I just got in the ministry. just started, 27 years old. He's an older man. He's only been saved a couple weeks. I said, you want to do what? He said, I think we ought to have a foot washing every month at Whitfield Baptist Church. I began to study that thing. And I want to tell you something, folks. Jesus Christ was setting an example of humility. It's like in the Bible days, everyone washed feet. I mean, when you came to a house, you didn't shake hands. You said, just a minute, you got the bowl of water and you washed their feet. And that said, I am the servant. I welcome you. Jesus freely, sir, he disrobed, put on a towel, bowed before his disciples and washed their feet. He even washed Judas's feet. And he knew what Judas was going to do. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to be willing to serve. 
we don't need to be willing to, you know, in these election years, it gets nasty, don't it? I mean, it gets, it gets I, I mean, I was embarrassed uh, sometimes of what people would say about another candidate. I still get that. I don't think you ought to have dirty politics. I believe you ought to shoot them cleanly. Amen? No, no, but, you know, I just think, I think it gets out of hand because it's always, you're sorry, I'm better, and lift, lifting themselves up as some great deliverer. Folks, listen, we ought to serve with passion. We ought to serve with our life. We ought to serve from our heart, and we ought to be servants of God. And the Bible says that the reason he, he wrote this book, Mark said, for even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And of course, to give his life a ransom for many. Folks, if you want to see love, you want to see authority, you want to see power and control, look to Calvary. And you'll see the Lord dying for your sin. I mean power and control. It's called meekness. It's not weakness, it's meekness. It's not thinking down on yourself. That's false humility. It's, not just, it's just not thinking of yourself. You're here to serve. I mean, the greatest man or woman in this church and the time that you're most like Jesus is when you serve. When you visit that little bus kid, when you go and talk to that broken home, when you serve, when you drive that van, when you play that piano, you play that organ, you uh, serve the Lord's Supper, you pick up a collection, uh, you do whatever you can do for God's glory. You go down to the little old morning side where, those, where half of that class sleeps every Sunday morning and you teach them the Word of God. That's serving. And I believe the greatest among you are servants. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Luke 18, 14. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. What a paradox. But nonetheless, here it is, Christians ought to realize the way up is down. These disciples had it all wrong. They said, hey, listen, if you're going to take over this world, be sure you crown me as second in command. I want a position. I want power. I want a name. I believe Mama put them up to it, but Mama had a, had a bad problem. It's called pride to her children. And folks, listen, the greatest and most blessed thing that could ever happen is that your children become humble servants to God. Not just missionaries, but I mean, go to church with this attitude. What can I do? Or what can I be to glorify God? Not how much I can be seen and what people will say about me and how much I'll get written up in the bulletin. Folks, God said that the high cost of being first is yes, you will be first, but you must become last. And that the baptism you can't bear. But you will be baptized with persecution, and God knows what it'll take to humble us. Remember this. If you're going to be a great preacher, preachers, you need to be servant preachers. A great leader is first a great follower. They have a spirit of humility. They're not here for themselves. They don't come and isolate themselves and act like everybody else is beneath them. They're there to encourage the brokenhearted. They're there to heal those that are hurting. 
They're here to say an encouraging word. They're here to minister, to be a deacon in action, to be a servant because God's called you to serve Him. I want you to look at one more verse, and I want you to look at it very carefully. Some of the greatest verses in the Bible, Philippians chapter 2, and verse 5 through 11. We'll close. And I don't have any place to go, so I'm not rushing. This is all I got on my heart. But look at <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse in some of the greatest verses in Philippians. Chapter 2, and look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you. That's an attitude. It all starts with attitude. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He never ceased to be God on this earth. But made himself of what? No reputation. And took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Folks, there's a word that's missing from the modern day Christian vocabulary, and that is sacrifice. Sacrifice. And I believe that God calls us first to sacrifice ourselves and our pride, and our vain glory, and become His servants. And then what will happen one day? And wherefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I like this last phrase, to the glory of God the Father. Pride got Adam and Eve into some deep sin. Pride caused Satan to get kicked out of heaven. And now he's in hell. Pride is a fatal sin. Pride is a terrible sin. Pride from the very first initial sin in Genesis goes all through the Bible. And anytime you see pride, you see destruction. Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, how would you like to have been the ushers on that day, ushers, when you had to pull, pull him out and bury him in the parking lot? And then about a few minutes later, the wife comes in and lies to the Holy Spirit. She drops dead, and you have to take her and, put, and bury her out back in the ball field. That would be a hard day of ushering, wouldn't it? But I want to tell you something. God gave us the illustration, and God marks it down throughout the Old Testament and the New. That pride is fatal. There's the paradox. The way to win is to lose. The way to, to have honor is to honor others. And most important, honor God. And folks, it amazes me that right after he announced what he was going to go through, the spit, the scourge, the cross, the killing, and praise God, the resurrection, they must have they got a hold of that last phrase and said, hey, wait a minute, you're going to be resurrected, remember me. Put me on the right, put me on the left, and make me number two and number three in your kingdom. And he said, you'll be baptized, and you will take the cup, but it won't be pleasurable. 
Folks, I want to tell you something. If you don't humble yourself, God has a way of humbling you. If you believe that you can shake your fist at God and get away with it, you never will. And if you believe you can exist without God, who do you beg for when you think it's your last heartbeat? And what are you, what are you, who are you crying out to? And most heathens even do this. Who do you cry out to when you think you're taking your last breath? I'll tell you something, friend. I've seen many people ruin their life because of stinking, satanic pride. If we're going to learn any kind of lesson at all tonight, we need to learn the way up is down. And the way to succeed is to sacrifice ourselves on the altar. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, because it's full of pride. But be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, the acceptable, perfect will of God is for all of us to be His servants. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this simple message, but God, an essential message, because we all war against it. And Lord, it's all there. And Lord, I pray, dear Lord, that it would not be our profession or our service that we're so proud of, but God, that we could become your servant. Lord, make us a servant to the hurting. Make us servants to the poor. Make us servants to those that cannot do anything for us. God, you, you, you set, a, set the example when you did everything for us and we had nothing to offer you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, as the whole book of Mark pictures of being the Lord's servant, the servant leader. You never ceased to be God. But while you was on this earth, you demonstrated that we need to follow in your steps and humble ourselves and be obedient even to the death of self. And we'll praise you that the resurrected Spirit of God in our hearts, can crown you Lord of our lives.